0: I didn't actually know until I was through in my first second year university that web
1: development was actually a job. Like people get paid for building websites and stuff. Um, do you have any specific tactic to balance your life and your work? Well
0: like, like, I do what all developers do. If something's gonna take six weeks, the time it's gonna take twelve. <laughs> so I guess your advice would be to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. 100% 100% keep it simple stupid that kind of thing <laughs> and speaking about craziness that extra feature in the future and then it turns out that feature is never even going to be added anywhere uh, one of the buzzwords is ai they just say oh can use ai to do this i'm like i don't know i don't think so
1: <laughs> hello everyone Today on Go Comments Podcast, we're having a web developer, Ashley Allen, and we're going to talk about his experience as a freelance developer, how to manage work-life balance and establish effective communication with clients. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for coming on this podcast. We're happy to have you. So, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? So, I'm Ash Allen. Um, or, or Ashley Allen whichever
0: one rolls off your tongue easiest I'm a I'm a freelance web developer in the UK um and I basically just build applications and software with Laravel um I tend to float around between different companies tend to work with like in-house development teams and uh yeah I, I I'd like to say I contribute quite a bit to open source projects. Um, I've got a couple of uh, open source packages myself that I contribute to. I've contributed to Laravel Framework a few times, and I've got two books as well, which one of them actually released uh, just last month, just about about six weeks ago. So, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I
1: think. Wow, you also write books. Haven't seen a lot of developers who do that. Yeah, it, it is.
0: I think it's because um, I've, I've got a, I've got a blog that's got like over a hundred articles or something like that about Laravel and PHP and stuff, like that. And, and I kind of enjoyed writing articles. And I thought like, oh, maybe I should have a crack at writing a book. See what happens with it. So I kind of put out a bit of a test. I like tested on uh, Twitter, saying like, does anyone going to be interested? And um, yeah, it just spiraled from there. Really, because I enjoy writing. I'm I'm a bit of a weirdo, like but I really enjoy doing it and, and it breaks up that kind of. The, the kind of tedious coding all the time. Like I get to do something slightly different, so it, it just makes my life a little bit more varied. But it's still in the same area, but it's slightly different. And uh, people, yeah, seem to like the book. Well, books, should I say. So sold just over a thousand copies. So I'm quite quite chuffed with that. So I didn't I didn't expect to ever do anything even close to that. I'd have been happier for the sold ten copies. So um, yeah, I'm dead happy. <laughs>
1: well congrats on your success it's really cool that you have this passion and it also benefits other people how long the writing process took that is a really good question and usually if i'm doing like freelancing work
0: i would be recording my time all all the time so i can set, sort of like send off my invoice in and the time machine. so and i didn't do it for writing the book and i really wish that i had done it because i'm not actually sure how long it took me i'd it, a long time. I, I reckon if it was to be like a nine-to-five job, we're probably talking at least a month or two, I, I think. I, I'd, I'd make a guess. But I did it over the space of like nine months or something, like doing the weekends and evenings. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, probably, yeah, I'm going to make a guess, six to eight weeks full-time work. So it was quite full on.
1: But it was worth it. I enjoyed it by the time I got to the end, so and did somebody help you with the books or you did everything yourself uh, uh so I,
0: I did the bulk of it myself so i did all the research and the writing and stuff like that but i had a couple of people who were unbelievably amazing that helps out so i had a, a guy called jd liam who did the proofreading for me and he sort of just went through it and got rid of all my typos because th- There was a lot of typos Um, and he he fixed things for me and made it sound a little bit nicer. Uh, Sam Correy, who was the guy that I wrote the book, this one I just recently written about, someone called Saloon. And uh, he's the guy who actually made Saloon. So I got all his expert insights into that sort of thing. So he uh, helped me with that. And my wife called Jess, she's the person who did all the graphics for it. And uh, she helped me get it on Amazon and stuff like that and designed the cover, helped me with the website. So even though my name is the one that's on the cover it was definitely like a, a sort of group effort sort of thing so i appreciate everyone's help with that because i wouldn't have been able to do it on my own so.
1: it's really cool that you have people around you to help you out uh, but let's circle back for a bit and i wanted to ask you how you started in web development <laughs> um this is going to sound
0: like a really silly answer to say now so I didn't actually know until I was through in my first second year university that web development was actually a job, um, which sounds a little bit daft. But so I'd kind of um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was going to school. I was convinced I was going to go in some kind of like engineering role or something like that. And then I went and did computing college, and while I was in college doing computers, like learning to program, I was like, oh, kind of, kind of like this. I went on to... I kind of changed completely what I wanted to do. Went to university and went and did computing and started messing around with different programming languages. And we messed with, like, C++ and C Sharp and Java and stuff like that. And I, went, I didn't quite enjoy it, but then I started touching on PHP. And there was just something about it. I just really enjoyed it. I I, I couldn't tell you why. I've tried to think about it before, but I just someone just clicked in my head when I was using it. So I was on the lookout for, like php jobs and i was like oh wait like people get paid for building websites and stuff it's Like that's literally what i want to do so i started looking out and then someone got in touch with me a recruiter when i was coming towards the end of my master's degree and basically said we've got a job in this certain town and the town is where i wanted to move to at the time and um and i thought this is perfect so i got in touch with the company and i ended up going through the recruiter and i ended up getting the job and they used laravel heard of Laravel. Um I'd seen bits of it, but I'd never actually used it. So I kinda of fell into it by accident. I just started using it. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> um it just everything just seemed to click into place. I really enjoyed using it. Um and it, it, and it, and it was a great job as well. I, I really enjoyed being there. Um but I think I, I think my passion just grew through being there just over time, really. And I just kinda of stuck with Laravel and just I've just not moved away from it yet.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's really cool. It feels like a happy accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems that following your passion paid off. Yeah, it's because it, 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 I don't know how it happened. Like,
0: maybe if I'd have got a different job, I might have specialized in something else completely. So <laughs> um, I always think about that. I always think I, I got really lucky that I fell on my feet basically um and just fell into it accidentally. But yeah. I, I wouldn't change my, I don't, I'm not, I don't regret anything. I enjoy using Laravel, love it, so I'm, I'm cool with it.
1: What was the most challenging project in your career? Or maybe just the project you liked the most? Um, <clears throat> Aside from
0: my books, which they're probably the two things I'm probably most proud of, but they're not quite like web development projects, I'd probably say I... I, because I tend to work with like in-house development teams, I don't really tend to take a project from start to finish. I usually join like half in the middle and then I kind of like the extra pair of hands to try and get it over the line. But um, I, I've worked on a lot of exciting projects. I'm just trying to think if there's one of them that stands out the most. I'd probably say the very first company I worked for out of uni I really enjoyed it. It was um, it was a, a crisis communication system. So it's to be using like the events of like floodings, terrorist attacks, things like that. Um, down in like London and stuff like that. And uh, it had like telecommunications involved with it. It had like a, a live chat involved with it. It had like safety stuff involved. It was just there was something about it. It seemed to touch on lots of bits of technology. I really enjoyed working on it. But also, I like the fact knowing that it had an impact on human lives, because sometimes you build projects and the kind of like vanity projects. And um, just, they're just made just to make money. Whereas this, I, I saw like, um, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> um, but, but I like the fact that it had like an effect on people in real life and could potentially save lives and stuff like that. Um, so that, that, I have always have a special place in my heart for that, so, for that project.
1: It's not often that people get to work on projects that have real impact, especially yeah. in the age of the internet, where it's easy to forget that there is an outside world. Uh, but you also mentioned that it was your first job. Yeah,
0: it was your first job. So that was the kind of bit where I've come out of uni, I've got a little bit of knowledge about programming, but they really helped me. Like I got on board and onto the project. I had people around me to help me learn and stuff. Like that. And my learning went through the roof. I, oof, in the space of about six weeks, I don't think I actually touched any code for the first six weeks actually. It was literally learning, 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 learning. Um my head hurt at the end, end of every single day. <laughs> um but but in a good way though, because I've been learning so much stuff and then by the time I ended up actually getting stuck into it, it was yeah, it was really good. It, it I think it set me off on like quite a nice trajectory for the next couple of years after that. So I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, well, when we learn, we all make a lot of mistakes. So I wanted to ask you, were there any mistakes that you did that had a very big influence on you and your career?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a specific example of one thing, but I can think of something I know that I did a lot. and I'd probably say I still do. I'd like to say I don't do it as much, but uh, basically over-engineering my code. Um, just, Just trying to tackle a small little problem and, Kind of trying to think, well, oh, in three years' time, it's going to have to do this. So I'm going to write it like this. And then I'm overcomplicating the code to do something really simple, something that could be like one or two lines, ends up becoming like 30 or 40 to try and sort of bridge the gap up until we need that extra feature in the future. And then it turns out that feature is never even going to be added anywhere. So I've just added loads of extra code that I've got to write. I've got to, other people have got to read. I've got to maintain it. I've got to write tests for it. Uh, I'm just basically making my job more complicated. Um, and I feel like that's a mistake that a lot of people make, especially when you're newer, because you feel like that's the way to do it. Uh, and and you, I, I think it's because a lot of people see things like, um, see like Laravel, and they they look at the code in Laravel. And Laravel's built to tackle like, lots of different problems because it's a framework, it's what it's supposed to do. So I think people think, oh, well, I've got to get my code to do that as well. But building an application isn't the same as writing a framework. They're completely separate beasts, and um, I feel like that's something which people need to bring back a little bit, but not too much because you don't want to make your code that that stupid that <laughs> it's going to bite you later on in the future. But um, just trying to find that nice balance between over-engineering and getting the sweet spot just right.
1: So, so I guess your advice would be to work smarter, not harder.
0: Yeah. keep it simple stupid that kind of thing
1: yeah and uh, speaking about doing a lot of work um, do you have any specific tactic to balance your life and your work I'll be the first
0: person to hold my hand up and say my work-life balance isn't great (laughs) I I have um uh, most web developers are probably going to agree web development is a hobby as well as work So I find it really difficult to get to the end of a work day and and switch off. I really struggle with that because it's a hobby as well. So I enjoy doing it. So there's no kind of like, there's no like line where I can say, this is personal life, this is professional life. They kind of blend towards each other. I have been working recently on trying to like, Separate those a little bit because uh, it's easy to hit burnout. I mean, when I was getting getting the book ready for release, and was teetering on the edge of burnout. Uh, I think I managed to avoid it, <laughs> but um, it's very easy for me to kind of say, "Oh, I'll just do a couple more hours tonight." Oh, I'm just going to work on this tonight. Uh, especially with things like my open source packages, um, just adding a couple of updates to them or checking someone's pull request or something. So it's. I do think people need to have a separation. I definitely think that because you can't buy back your time, no matter how much money you make, you're not going to be able to buy back your time in the future. But at the same time, though, I ain't just doing it. So it's a really weird dilemma. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure what to do about it. So I'm still working on that. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> so basically it was like a continuous cycle of different things.
0: Yeah, basically, especially
1: because when I first started, so
0: I was freelancing while i was still in full-time employment so i was doing full-time employment nine to five and then freelancing in the evenings the weekends um don't ask me why i did it i still look back and think why did you do that but, <laughs> but it was it was nice though cause it was a bit of a catalyst because it started me getting my clients stuff like that so it meant that once i got to a certain stage where it, it still felt uncomfortable wanting to leave a full-time job to go freelancing but i felt more confident about it because i thought right at least i've got some clients lined up and stuff like that and if i hadn't have done that i wouldn't be able to go freelancing but now i've done it i think i'm still stuck in that sort of um that cycle of how i used to be i think yeah i'm still stuck in that sort of let's work all day long um yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not always easy to stop when you're working on the things that you actually enjoy. Yeah, But uh, at some point you do have to force yourself to stop, spend some time with the family, walk your dog, etc.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree on that. Like I say, I'm trying to work on it, I'm trying to find other hobbies. Um, yeah, I'm just just struggling to find another hobby.
1: Working in a regular 9-5 to type of job, you mainly have to deal with just one client, your boss. But as a freelancer, you can have hundreds of clients, and it can get crazy. (laughs) And speaking about craziness, when you work with multiple clients, is there a specific way you manage them, their expectations, deliverables, etc.?
0: Uh, so in the past, when I've charged on like a project-by-project project basis sort of thing, I tend to give people, what like I do what all developers do, if something's going to take six weeks, the time it's going to take 12, <laughs> and then and then if I get it done before those 12, um, i have underpromised and over-delivered and everyone's happy. Um, but if I'm working, the way I work now is I work for the in, like, in-house development team sort of thing. So I tend to sort of contract out my time, rather than working on a project as such so i'll say like i'll give you a day a week or i'll give you two days a week three days a week like that. so that i think by setting those clear boundaries like that i i can almost treat it like a full-time job by giving them a certain amount of hours a week but i don't necessarily need to worry about delivering like i have to have this project finished by the end of the month something like that i almost kind of gel in as part of the team as if i was a full-time playing sort of a uh, like do it like that so i might say to someone, i'm going to give you a day a week which would be like seven or eight hours something but i might split that over a couple of days depending on what what is being done stuff like that or i might do it overnight when everyone's asleep so um yeah i think just setting those clear boundaries just by setting by giving them a set amount of time is how i do that
1: have you ever had cases where it was particularly hard to align with clients expectations um there was one
0: project. I, I, don't, I don't want to go into specifics of like that because they, they were really nice people. But I got I got given a project. Well, I got I got asked to work on a project to basically update an old site. I think he was moving on from WordPress, actually. They'd started moving on from WordPress project to a Laravel project, and they asked me if I'd be happy to um, kind of w- work on... The, the project and get it up to up to like so it can scale and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, that, that's fine. And I just got sent a zip folder full of files. And I was like, oh well where's the GitHub repo and stuff like that? And they were like, oh we don't have one. I was like, well how am I going to work on the files? They said, oh just work on the files and send them back to us as a zip file. I was like No. <laughs> this was like a quite a big agency in London. And I, like I said, I don't want to give any names or anything like that. Um, because I've never had a problem with, with them apart from this. I just, I, was, I said, that I'm sorry, but we're going to have to get a, get a repo set up. And they're like, no, it's that, that's in the next phase. I was thinking, oh, this is a bit of a red flag. This We're not even started yet. We don't even have version control in place. This is like web development 101 sort of thing. So I, um, I basically had to say that I'm not comfortable w- working on this project. I'm sorry, but if you get it all set up properly, then, then we'll carry on with it. But for the time being,
1: I think I'm going to have to uh, say bye. Um, I don't think of him since. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes you just have to say no. And it's hard to know when you should do that. <laughs> but life will quickly teach you that. And uh, speaking about communication, do you employ some specific strategies when you talk to clients, especially if they are not very technical? um that's a good question actually oh so i'd say i'd like to think i'm quite good with
0: analogies and stuff like that so i try if i'm speaking to a client that i can kind of see them glazing over and you can tell that they are not got a clue what i'm on about i like to use like a real life analogy something that they can relate to to try and explain what might be going on sometimes because i think having some technical knowledge even for like a manager who has nothing to do with like programming and stuff like that Feel like just having, just knowing what the keywords mean, can make a massive difference in the communication between me and them. So I like to try and um, explain things, but not too much because they've got other things to do. They're not, they're not bothered about it either. But, but just so that I can get expectations across to them, stuff like that. But if if you need the technical knowledge, the technical knowledge is going to get fired over to them so that they've got something to fall back on or refer to somebody else stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I think I think just being able to understand what someone knows is really useful, um, which I think the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, I, I think you just tailor, tailor what you're saying depending on what they know. Because sometimes I've spoken to some project managers and they're on the ball, like they know the stuff. I've spoken to some that have even been web developers and they've moved into like project management. I've spoken to some that do not have a clue. And it, it, they're usually the ones that are most difficult to talk to. Uh, they're usually the ones that end up asking for the craziest, craziest features. And you're kind of like, no, that's not going to happen. That, that's not how it works. Um, um, one of the buzzwords is AI. They just say, oh, can we use AI to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I think just tailoring it to the expectations and their knowledge is the best way of doing it.
1: Yeah, AI is everywhere. And since we started talking about crazy requests, how do you deal with feedback and revisions? Have you had cases where a client wanted to basically redo everything?
0: Yeah, it, it, it has happened um, quite a few times. So I try and um, I, I, I try and I try and get feedback as as often and as early as possible. So. I don't really tend to build websites as such anymore. I tend to do more like the like web applications stuff like that. But back when I was doing the website stuff, I would send feedback. Well, yeah, sort sort of like a here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going to work on next week. Every single Friday, just to keep the client in the loop of just so they know what they're at. So they know where where the money's going, really, and stuff like that. Um, I would also always keep a staging site up so that they can see everything that I'm doing. So every single day. I'll push up at the end of the day, latest changes, and they can go on any point and see it. I did have, or I have had clients in the past, uh, multiple, that have almost said, Oh, change my mind. Can I ask for, can I get this instead? Or can I have this instead? And I, I don't necessarily have like a yes or no rule. I will kind of, if it's a big change, then no like you, you're not having it you've not paid for it like we've got to set boundaries and stuff like that because likewise i wouldn't turn around and do the same thing to them but if it's going to be like a copy and paste job and it's going to take 10 minutes to do like and they're a nice person they've asked nicely i'm, I'm cool with that we've we'll, we got some feedback it's what they want it's going to keep them happy because at the end of the day after i've deployed a website that's not it. That's not like the end of the business relationship. They're gonna potentially come back for further changes in the future. And it, if I've been a bit of a, like, I don't want to swear, but if I've been a bit of a bad person with them stuff like that, or a bit arty with them, sort of thing, then I don't want to. Um, they're not going to come back to me in the future, and they're not going to tell people about me and stuff. So just having a bit of bit of leeway, a bit of give and take. But with the in-house development, that I tend to do more now. I'm constantly getting feedback, like in the sense of like pull requests, code reviews, stuff like that. So, and, and I'm always, I'm always talking to people. You ask any client I've ever worked with, they'll be sick of hearing from me because I'm constantly pestering with questions and stuff. But by me asking those questions early and often, it means I'm not just going to get to the end of like a six week block of work and go here you are, and they're like, I don't like that. <laughs> so I, I just try and, uh, I try and appease them as, as early as possible, really. So. I like to think of myself as a little bit of an advisor sometimes. So if someone comes to me and they say, I want my web page to be this, 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 and this, if I look at it and say, are you sure? Like I will question it. I will basically, I will give them like an example of maybe if it comes into like the UI sort of things, I'll be like, are you sure? Like there's research showing that this would be better than this. And most times people will take stuff out like on board because they'll turn around and go, I didn't know. Thanks for telling me. Yeah, go cool. let's go with your idea instead. But there are some times when clients have turned around base with in, in a nicer way, they've basically said, I don't care. It's what I've asked for. Do it. So I like to remember I need to stay in my lane because I am at the end of the day giving them a service and it's what they've asked for. It'll be like me walking to a, a a shop to go and buy a new t shirt and it's bright pink or yellow spots all over it and they say are you sure you want to buy that and i am like yeah this is what i want it's like they're, they're not going to bother they're just going to sell it there so and um, that's no offense to anyone that has a bright pink or yellow spots t-shirt by the way <laughs> but um it, it's just um you've got to know when to say okay just yeah whatever it will kill you inside it hurts you almost feel like they don't trust you but it's what they're paying for and it's what you're getting paid for at the end of the day. Because there's a certain point where you can't argue with them anymore. And all it's gonna do is just damage your business relationship with each other. I think the best thing is just to offer them the advice. They don't take it on board, that's their own fault. It's the it's their own business that they're damaging, not yours. And there's you can't do anything else apart from advising, I think.
1: I really like what you said about providing a service. Sometimes you might want to do something differently, but ultimately the client has a final say. Even if you have to do something that you wouldn't want to put in your portfolio.
0: Yeah, oh, there's, de- there's definitely been cases of that when I've, I've left things off my portfolio that because I'm kind of like, oh God, no, I don't want that. I don't want people to think I've done that. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Have you ever had a situation with a client where your relationship started to break down? I, th- I, think, I think so far, especially. I think I've been relatively lucky that most of my
0: clients have been okay. Um, I've got people who just disappear. And there's halfway through project, they literally just disappear, and no, no answers to phone calls, no answers to emails, stuff like that. Um, thankfully, there was never a lot of time or money invested in them, so it wasn't really too bad. It's just one of the parts of the job. But yeah, I, I think I've been relatively lucky to be honest with you. My, I might like think the relationships with a lot of my clients are still quite strong. Um, yeah. So I've not really got a great answer for that one.
1: <laughs> We're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Looking back at your career, would you do something differently? Now, that is a good question. That I think I would do some stuff differently,
0: but I don't think I'd do stuff massively differently. Just a little bit. So I, think things like, I think it probably took me about a year or two to start writing on my blog. I wish that I'd done that earlier and it as almost like a bit of a, a journal, sort of thing like, oh, I've learned about this today, I've learned about this today. Um, every time I learn about something, I, I like to write about it, 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 I find it as a nice little experience for learning because I get to take things that are in my head and put it down on paper. <clears> then <throat> it almost solidifies it in my brain, but I can also come back to it and read about it. And it's also been a great tool for getting to know people as well. Um, because people see the blog and it's open up opportunities for jobs and uh, new freelancing contracts or going to meetups or, or meet people online. So I wish I'd have done that earlier. Um, but apart from that, though, I don't know if I don't know if I, I know if I'd change anything else massively though. I, I'm I feel quite privileged and lucky to be where I am right now. So I don't think I'd want to change that trajectory. That's all really
1: and what advice would you give somebody who's thinking about becoming a web developer um there's probably two pieces
0: of advice i'd give the first one is you're going to get imposter syndrome like it's 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 unavoidable like anyone who doesn't get it that is amazing like well played but you you are you're never going to feel good enough for the job you're going to apply for and that's something you've got to get over because i can promise you you are good enough um that's something that will affect a lot of people and like i've been this by like, seven years or something that feeling has never left like it, because every time you step up you're gonna get imposter syndrome for the next level sort of thing and it, it just chases you constantly but i think i'd say for someone who's getting into web development like uh, uh, as well as like learning the fundamentals and the basics not to get a job i'd say Focus on immersing yourself in the community. Read blog posts, sign up for newsletters, uh, watch videos. You um, spend five minutes in the morning just going through like Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever where it is that people that you're interested in tend to hang out, comment on the stuff, uh, get to know them and stuff like that. Like, you, it's not about, it's not always about what you know, it's about who you know. The amount of times that I've been offered jobs from people said, Oh, I've just seen your stuff on Twitter. or oh, I've just seen your stuff on LinkedIn. Like, that helps massively because it just gives people, it gives recruiters and employers confidence, and land clients as well. So It just gives them confidence that you know what you're doing, and it it gives you a little bit of a like. It kind of affirms that in your mind as well. Kind of lets you know you know what you're doing. You are good enough, and uh, I feel like that's a really good way of learning fast and just setting off on a really nice trajectory for. carry on learning to keep learning keep learning keep learning because you'll impress everybody if you do that as well which is great it's really good getting good uh, client feedback and stuff and you only get that by progressing all the time really so that's what i'd say
1: and now it's time for the last question well not really a question but would you like to plug your blog or maybe tell people how to find you um, oh, okay.
0: So I've got a, a blog. It's <laughs> uk uh, slash blog. It's a blog all about Laravel, and PHP, web development, stuff like that. Um, I've also got two books. So the first one, I, like, actually, I've got three books, but I'll come back to the third one soon. <laughs> um, the first one is Battle Ready Laravel, and it's it's a guide that's split into four parts about uh, auditing, testing, fixing, and improving uh, laravel application so y- the the point is you can take it from the start to finish on existing projects to hopefully improve the quality of the code and it's also got some tips in there for when you start your next one like things to avoid th- make things to do to write it really well and um, there is also uh consuming apis in laravel and that teaches you all about consuming apis in Laravel. <laughs> uh, it basically shows you how to write code that's like really robust and powerful and testable and stuff like that to uh make api calls handle webhooks, different types of apis um uh, different techniques that you can use to improve the quality of your code stuff like that. so they're they're my two books and i also have a free ebook called the clean coders guide to laravel and you can get that by signing up to a newsletter on my blog and it'll just be emailed to you instantly It's about 70 or 80 pages and um just spot back a nice quick blast, quick read some few tips inside it. Um, I think what else I've got. Twitter. I'm on Twitter as well. (laughs) That's it. Ash Allen Design. Uh, So yeah, follow me if you want.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, Ashley, for coming on this podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me as well. Cheers. Take care.